Sangin Podcast would like to appreciate everyone who has listened and watched our episode. On behalf of the podcast, we would like to encourage every one of you to follow and subscribe to us using whichever medium you choose to listen to us. This increases our outreach and makes us bring bigger and better guests for amazing stories. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sanyin Podcast on this amazing episode. I'm joined by the amazing trio of Priscilla Gibson and my man here, Mani, in the university, in my university of Hwashi. We're going to talk about a wide range of issues and you're all welcome to the podcast. Thank you, sir. Um, first things first, I'll let you introduce yourselves. I'll start with Mani here and then Priscilla and then Gibson. Well, well, I don't have much to say, you know, there is not much to say about me. Um, for those who don't know me, my name is Mani Mustafa. Uh, I come from a country called Niger, or should I say Niger? Okay. I've been here for like almost five years, technically. And I study, I, I studied my master, by the way, here in international relations. And after that, I continue for a PhD in the same major international relations so right. i mean basically there is not much to say about me but you know this is who i am and nice to meet you guys okay uh priscilla your intro hey guys my name is priscilla but some people know me as cd bang so cd bang is like my mother it's my name like my susutu name you know so priscilla is known by a lot of my colleagues and also at a professional platforms mm-hmm. like people with them to me as Priscilla. So I'm from a country called Lesotho. And for those who don't know Lesotho, Lesotho is surrounded by South Africa. And um, yes, so educational background. I did my bachelor's um, in special education and French at the National University of Lesotho in Lesotho. And for my master's, I did special education um, here in China. I didn't take special education courses. I just took like general education courses and that landed me into comparative education and international development. International development is basically based on the thesis or the dissertation that I'm going to work on. So yeah, it's all about the education system with me, you know? Um, so yeah, I'm highly immersed in the education, um, in the education system basically. So yeah, that's me. Thank you. Okay, uh, and Mr. Gibson? Well, uh, once more, good evening to you all. My name is uh, Gibson Ali Kuyate from Sierra Leone, West Africa. I'm currently pursuing a PhD in educational technology at uh, Centre China Normal University. This is my first year, and I am actually happy to be in your midst. Thank you very much. Okay, um, first, so um, you're all students here who have been in China for quite some while, some time. And uh, I'll just ask you briefly, what would be your take in life in China? I'll start with Priscilla. Life in China. Um, okay, so the first time I got here in 2018, and... To tell the truth, like I got like culture cultural shock because um, I I couldn't understand Chinese, the the way Chinese think, you know, um, and also the way they interact with people. So I was I was a bit confused. Like 
on my first year, in my first year, like I didn't enjoy much about China to tell the truth. And also because of the language barrier. So yeah. Um, and then I, yeah, and then the pandemic happened and I went back home and um, first year doing my doctorate um, online and then I came back. So when I came back, I could easily adjust to the culture and I could easily understand what kind of people they are culturally. And um, yeah, so like it's a, it's a really broad question, JP. I'll just say, yeah, so I don't know which direction to take actually, but then I'll just say that right now I'm easily adapting, you know, and also adjusting to life in China. And I'll, I'll say that right now I'm enjoying a lot now because um, I'm more exposed to the translation apps now and I can get, you know, around by myself in China. And also I can easily interact with them than I used to, you know, back in 2018. So I would say that it's a lot more easier now than, um, than when I came in 2018. And I would say that, um, yeah, what, what else would I say? Yeah, it's just interesting. It's just interesting to be in China. It's just interesting. There's, there's quite a lot that's happening um, right now in terms of development, you know, in terms of digital progression and stuff like that. But I, I don't want to dive into that. Maybe I'll dive into that later. But yeah, life in China is it's interesting. I'll just say it's interesting. But it gets better when you know your way around here, you know? Yeah. And also like just understanding like basic Chinese. Okay, uh Mr. Mani, uh you've been here for quite a while. So how would you describe it in your own words? Well, as you said, oh, sure, I've been here for a while. And uh, for me, like being in China, you know, I mean, not only me, but as a foreigner in general, you have to go through a lot of things, right? Um, like Priscilla said, as, uh, first of all, you know, there is language barrier because uh, the time I got here in 2018, um, I couldn't speak any single Chinese language, like like literally none of it, not even me how. I don't even know how to say it. I used to say he how. I thought it was the correct way to say it, right? But once you learn how the people, like what kind of people you are dealing with, I think is is very easy, you know, to how to say to interact with them. Yeah, I mean they are not really they are not complicated. You know, Chinese they are not really complicated as some they think they are. It just sometimes language barrier and also cultural differences, because we are from different cultures from different countries. So. Once they see us as a foreigners, you know, like different races, different cultures, they they kind of you know stuck in this uh, how do you say cultural you know barriers mm. or language barriers. But once you learn the language, you talk to them, they they're really friendly. Mm. They come to you sometimes, you know, talk to you and ask you, you know, I mean, you've been here for a while as mm. well, so mm. it is the same question they used to ask all the time when they see a foreigner, you know. And once you say something, there is one thing I like about Chinese, by the way. Mm. Um, like they ask you a question, okay? Mm. For example, like uh, they ask you what's your name, first of all, mm. and you say wajao, washer, walazi, or walaze nakagoja. And then they will start saying, Oh, nichung show the tomahawk. 
Mm. You get it right, and that's the only word you say in Chinese. Sometimes you just say "ni hao," and they will mm. they will start complimenting you, mm. and which is really good, by the way, because it's another way to encourage you, you know, to learn more about them, about their culture and their language, right? Mm. Which some countries don't do, by the mm. way. I mean, if you go to Europe, you go to you know the UK, United States, you speak a word of English, even though you don't come from English speaking mm. countries mm. like I do. You know, I come mm. from a French speaking countries. But you go to these countries, you speak a word in English or in German or in Italian. Mm. Nobody's gonna complimenting you or encouraging you to learn more. I mean, to mm. say, oh, what you say is really nice. Mm. I don't know you speak that, you know, that good this language. So my life in China is is really been interesting. But um, the dark side is, I should say, is maybe during the pandemic. You know, a lot mm. of things has have happened. Mm. Um, we've been locked for three three months in the dormitory. We can't even see the sunrise, sunset, all these things. So, except that, I think my life in China is pretty it's pretty amazing, and I really like it. So, someone can ask: Is there strong racism here in China? Strong what? Racism. Of well, course. Yeah, there is. Uh, uh, there is racism. You know, racism. Yeah, is, but that element where yeah, you feel it. Well, listen, racism is all over the world. Okay, it is not only in China; it's everywhere. And like I said, okay, as a foreigner, being in China, you have to go through a lot of things. That's what I said at first, right? So you you will experiment, uh, you'll experiment a lot of things being here in China. You know, like you have to deal with many kind of people, mm-hmm. the good ones, the bad ones, the racist ones, the narcissist ones, all these kind of people, you have to deal with them. You know, mm-hmm. there is always racism in China and I myself, you know, I experienced it. I have been through it. Mm. But it doesn't mean, you know, um, all Chinese are the same or all Chinese are racist, which is which I don't believe is, is true. You know, I've been through racism. <clears throat> I've experienced racism in my life being here in China for the last uh, four years or almost five years. I've been through that for sure. Mm. But it doesn't, you know, make me say, you know, all the people, all the Chinese are the same. Okay. That's my opinion. That's my take. Mr. Yeah. Gibson, your take. Or maybe you had something to say. Oh, yeah. I wanted to add upon like uh, them being racist, right? So you find that I think it's all about like that perception when it comes to black people because, you know, some um, some of them haven't been exposed to like the 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 black color, you know? They're still enthusiastic about the the white color like the 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 color of your skin the white color of your skin right so when they see um something you know when they see like you have like um a black the black skin color then they it's all it's almost like they are experiencing something that's foreign so it take it takes some time for them to fully um embrace um the difference you know that difference so yeah i think it's all about the perception so i think slowly when they get used to the idea that okay now black people or um people with dark skinned are working amongst them you know and also parents um you know are encouraged and also motivated for their kids to be taught by uh, not only white people but um black people as well then that will just change the whole scenario. So yeah, I think that's my take on that racist point, racism point. Okay, uh, Gibson, your take? Yes, uh, 
for me personally, uh, it is something we have to like experience, right? You actually need to expect that whenever you change an environment. And actually, you have not been living in that environment. You must expect some amount of difficulties. Just like how my learned colleagues have been saying, language barrier, cultural differences. I think that is actually a paramount thing. But I can say for me personally that life in China has not been that hard for me because I already made up my mind that I am going to China. So whatever it is, if I get there, I will actually go by them, go by their rules, go by their dictates, more the ones that are actually right. So for me, life is not that much difficult because I am actually coping. And as a human being, you actually need to adapt in any environment in which you go. So I personally can say that in the area of prejudice, uh, that one is something that is all over the world, you know. All uh, I can ask for is this bilateral relationship between China and Africa or any other country. They actually need to like make it known to the Chinese that Africans are not evil. And if I can ask, there is no European country in the world wherein they can say the Africans colonize this particular country or Africans went there and wage war upon them. So I don't think if there is any way they can like make something like racist to us. As for our color, it is something that is genetics. Yes, a Chinese man can go to Africa and live there for so many years, but his color will not change to black. So if they see our color being dark, let them know that it is what? The form of gene, okay? So for me personally, life is a bit encouraging in China, bro. Well, uh, I want to add something, you know, about what Priscilla said earlier. Um, about these perception things, you know, like we are people of color and once they see us, they kind of, you know, take their distances or things like that because they don't know. Uh, I think they do that because they, they, you know, there is this language barrier things, you know. So once they see a foreigner or a, uh, a, a person of color, they kind of think in their mind oh this person only speak english and i don't speak english so i don't know how to go and talk to them right so that's the, the first thing they, they get in mind you know this is in their mindset like they kind of stuck in there and then they talk about this uh how can i talk to that person and once they come talk to you you know at first and then you say something in chinese like i said they will you know you will see all the stereotype all the stereotype they have on you will break down, mm. right? Once you start talking with them in Chinese, they will they will become really at ease, you know, really cool down, and then you know you can know what kind of person you are dealing with. So it's all about perception, like what kind of who you, who you, who they think we are, or or we, I can't talk English. He only speak English, and I, can't, I only speak Chinese. But once they see you can speak their language, you know, all the stereotype will. Okay. Um the next question goes to you, Mr. Mani. Um over the, the the past year, China has become a leading place for international students, especially those from Africa. And since you're doing international relations and you that thing of China, Africa, you know, relations, um, why do you think many African students are choosing this place over places like maybe UK, Italy? Well, there are many reasons actually. There are many reasons why. Okay, what, what do you think in your view? Um, in my view, students are choosing China, you know, people, they come to China to study. Mm. For me, first reason is, you know, the uh, the cost, 
the cost of life, first of all. Mm. Okay. Um, I'm not gonna say life in China is cheap, obviously, compared mm. to Africa, is mm. not over hundred uh, percent. But compared to other Europe, European countries or compared to United States or you know uh, Canada, life is pretty cheap in some areas in China. Some areas mm, mm, because mm. you go to Shanghai, you go to Beijing or you know um, Shenzhen, Guangzhou, these metropolitans, life is very expensive over there. But in here in Wuhan, where, where we live, life is okay, right? Mm. So First, the third reason for me, I think, is the cost of life. And second one, it could be um, study fees. It can also be included in the cost of life, obviously, mm-hmm. study fees. Like the the money you spend here to study for one full year is pretty cheap compared to, you know, when you go to UK or France to study. Mm-hmm. You will spend like thousands of euros per, per, per year, for one year. But in here, if you compare, you do the mathematics, mm-hmm. Is, is, is very cheap, right? And uh, another reason is also uh, safety, okay? Mm. Also safety. Yeah, I really want to emphasize in this because as we all know, China is really safe country. There is no doubt about it. Yeah. You can wake up at 3 a.m., 4 a.m., you know, midnight, and you can walk around mm. the city all alone. Mm. Nothing's going to happen to you. Nobody will come and you know how to say um try steal. try to steal you or try mm. to to do bad things or on you mm. you know i've been here for quite a while and this has never happened to me really. so the safety in china is a really safe country and i think these are some of the major reasons why you know people choose to come in china and also the chinese language obviously mm. because you know the chinese language is one of the most spoken language around the world Mm. I think it's even first. Yeah, it's first. The first, yeah, yeah. The first most spoken language in the world. So there is a lot of opportunities long learning Chinese language. And when you if you're considering, if you consider like how many Chinese mm. are in Africa, there mm. are millions, you know. Mm. Like in every single country you go to Africa, you'll find Chinese. Everywhere. They are everywhere. They own companies, they own uh, a lot of businesses. So once you see that, you, you want to learn the language so that you can, you know, do business with them, right? And China is a very good place for business. Like if you really want to do business, you want to buy and sell, right? You go, you go to Guangzhou or EU, you know, you can go there as long as you can you speak Chinese. You buy your, 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 your stuff, your containers, and then you ship back home. So there is a business uh, opportunities. You know, there is also language opportunities. Once you learn Chinese, you know, you can like you can basically, you know, trade or do business with every single Chinese back home in Africa. So in the coming years, you see that China will be number one destination of African students. Do you see it happening? Um well, yes and no. Okay, why yes? Well, yes, <laughs> no. yes, yes, because you know, for the reason that I mentioned. Uh, yeah. yeah. These are the reasons the that no? I mentioned. Um the no is because we Africans, you know. I mean, okay, let's get this straight. Okay, we Africans, we really have this stereotype about Western countries. We think they are the best. We think they are the, you know, when it comes to education, they are some of the best. Mm. So you go back home, okay? Because to be honest, okay, before I get, before I came to China, I I never knew, you know, I never knew China is even a developed country. For mm. real, mm. I never knew that. I thought China was, you know, a poor country, all this stuff, if this is happening, it's not a very safe 
you know, mm. because we, we we got stuck in in what this Western media was mm. telling us about China, mm. and then they were promoting the images mm-hmm. like they are the angels, they are the best, mm. right? So we have this stereotype about Western, you know, schools, Western mm. countries. Once we see that in the Western medias, the way they are talking about their own country, oh, we want to go there. We don't want to come to China, mm. right? I don't want to come. Like you go to your country, you ask a hundred person, mm. do you want to go to UK study or do you want to go to China study? To be UK. Trust me, yeah. Trust me, like 80% or 90% they will say, I want to go to UK. I don't, maybe 10% will say they want to go to China. And even the 10% <laughs> is maybe for business like this, right? <laughs> so we have this stereotype about Western countries, like they're the best, everything, mm. you know, everything they do, everything they create is the best. Mm-hmm. So that's the reason why people they don't want to come in here. But do you think that will change the thing? Probably, yeah. Probably it will change, but you know, uh, it will take time. Obviously, it will take time. Um, the next question I have for you is that uh, we're all youth here, and uh, there's high levels of youth unemployment across the world, especially now that the the pandemic is done. Um, you as in your own view, um, what are the ways in which we can tackle youth unemployment? Um, the, the way we can tackle unemployment, you know, is first of all, um, uh, <clears throat> entrepreneurship, right? You have to take actions, right? It's all about actions. Like, okay, let's say I have a degree on something, whatever it could be. Okay. But instead of just sitting down and then, you know, telling people, Hey, listen, look at this. I have a degree. Do you know who I am? Things mm, like that. Mm. It's better to take actions. Okay. Start with the less you have. Like if you have a capital, if you have uh, something like, let's say, I don't know, a million or two million depends on your currency, mm. you can start with this, you know. Don't just wait until the job comes to you. You have to go look for it. But the problem these days, you know, what is happening around the world, especially in African countries, is the youth, they are really, they are, there, there is a huge, you know, numbers of youth unemployment in, mm. in Africa. And it's all about because the laziness, you know, they are really lazy. You know, mm-hmm. It's true. Let's say it's right. It's, mm-hmm. it's about they are just being lazy, right? Mm-hmm. They don't want to get up, go look for the job. They they will sit down, you know, how they say, bragging about the diploma. I got a degree in China from this university. I got a degree from UK, from France. Look at this, you know. They're mm-hmm. just bragging about the degree, but it means nothing. It's just a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. So instead of getting up, go for, look for a job, you know, mm-hmm. or go create something, take actions. They just sitting down and then talk about bragging about the, you know, who they are, you know, even though they, you know, mm-hmm. it means nothing, it's just a piece of paper. The most important is what you've learned, right? And what you can do with this degree. Mm-hmm. So it's all about taking actions. You have to take actions and you have to do something about it. Okay. That's a nice message. Uh, Mr. Gibson, I'm coming to you, boss. Um, Yeah. Previously, Mr. Mani has tried to highlight the China-Africa relations. Um, you know, when you reach most of the the magazines, the news, there's that strong win-win relationship between China and Africa. So, according to you, how do how how would you describe that relationship, and how do you think both parties can benefit, especially Africa? Well, like um, when you look at China-Africa relationship. Uh, it has been growing rapidly recent years, with actually uh, China becoming uh, the major investor 
and uh, a trading partner for many African countries, you know. Though we have some critics that have been criticizing China's involvement uh, in Africa as a, as a new form of colonialism, I do not subscribe to that. And I am still arguing that China is not serving as a new colonialism or a new form of colonial system, but rather it has actually brought much needed investment and infrastructure into the continent, you know. So really, in order to ensure a, a, a win-win relationship, I think uh, it's very important for both China and uh, African countries to work hand in glove to ensure that uh, investments are sustainable and are also beneficial to both parties, you know. And according to my own knowledge, a win-win relationship can actually work better if there is that transparent agreement, fair trade practices, and also like uh, investing in education and also like building local capacities in the African countries. At the end of the day, I think there will be that win-win relationship between China and Africa. So... You're, you're saying the win-win should be done at the political level. The leaders should play a bigger part. Well, that is one. They should play a major role in whatever agreement they are actually like signing between the both parties. There should be that transparent agreement. And if you are actually talking about trade, there should be that fair trade practice, you know? And uh, looking at um, a country to actually be classed as a developed country, education happens to be one of the paramount things. You know, in Africa, that is one of our major challenges, you know. So China is a, a grown-up country in that area. I think if they invest in terms of education to actually benefit the Africa country and also whatever treaty they might have with China, China also will benefit. Okay. Um, since you're doing educational technology, you have the aspect of IT. And right now, there's this talk of AI. Yeah, that is people. People are scared. People are excited about it. Um, in your view, how can we use um artificial intelligence to better our society in a positive way? Apart from those people who are saying that it's bad, how can you use it for to better our task? Well, like um, the AI, which is artificial intelligence, you cannot say it is bad, or you can't say it has come to actually destroy the society or the rest of you. You know, in life, you actually need to look at something from two folds, two perspectives. You look at the negative aspect and you look at the positive aspect. The AI thing is not only bad, but it is also good. If you actually try to use it in the bad way, then it will become bad for you. But if you tend to use it in a good way, it has a lot of potential in actually even like a revolutionizing the, the, the whole country itself or the whole world, right? looking at from healthcare, transportation, education, and so many ways, you know. So it is actually there to better up our lives if we actually make good use of it. It is just like a, a drug being prescribed. Let's say you are suffering from a headache and they said, take two pills of I mean, paracetamol, right? They said that would be enough for you. Then you go and I like to four. So which means you are actually what misusing it, right? So like the AI is actually like coming in to reduce the burden and also to actually make things faster for people. For those who are saying it is bad, are only like the lazy ones who do not want to make anything. They only, they only want to sit and people spoon feed them. And the AI can do that for you. It can put, spoon feed you with whatever you ask. But at the end of the day, there are other 
zero AI detectors that if you tend to like use them, they will be able to detect it to tell you that this is energy wasted, no work done. You did not do it by yourself. But what I can say is if actually there is a transparent use of AI, we must ethically that it is bad. Okay. Thank you so much, Gibson, for that for that tech on technology. Um, Priscilla, I hope you're there. Yeah, I'm still here. Yeah. So have you noticed you're the only lady among gallant gentlemen here? Of yeah. course, which is <laughs> which is a blessing. Yeah, it's, it's such a, a blessing. blessing. Yeah. And yeah. actually, this is my first time to be on a podcast. Just wanted to put that out there. So, yeah. No, it's the first of many. Right? So, <laughs> even them, like my so, boss here. Sometime. Yeah, so thank you so much for the opportunity. This is interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um. So Priscilla, um, do you subscribe to the idea of feminism? Okay, well, I'm going. I'm. I'm not going to use any references. I'm going to answer this question based on my personal experiences and my own perspectives and ideologies that I have thus far. You know. So, okay, feminism. Well, my idea. Yeah, what I understand feminism to be is to break down the barriers that, you know, that females are experiencing, you know, in their different environments, you know. Um, for example, um, some women, you know, have been, have been exposed to, oh, how can I put it, cultural, culture, culturally street um, attributes, like if I have to put it like that. So you find that um, there's, there's quite a lot of, barriers uh in, in terms of culture okay yeah let me say cultural stereotypes yeah there's so many cultural stereotypes that women are exposed to so feminism is all about you know identifying identifying yourself and yeah just having like an identity of who you are as a woman um i'm not sure if feminism um covers gents as well i'm not really sure but no, I just know that, ladies. yeah, I just know that like it's a movement that only incorporates, um, that strongly advocates for, for, for like women and also, yeah, just uh, making sure that women are aware of the challenges that they are exposed to and also just building awareness of, okay, this is what you are going to be exposed to as a woman, you know, so let me just say that feminism, according to me, is just building awareness of, um, hey, as a woman, these are the challenges that you, that you, that you can expect, you know? Um, for example, we have instances of rape. We have instances of, you know, sometimes being excluded in terms of, you know, some of the cultural stereotypes that we are exposed to in our different environments and we also have um what else can we say we have yeah we and also we have um many challenges in regards to the um, you know like menstrual health you know like in terms of socializing you know and um and also like at a psychological level like yeah i think women are exposed to so many um challenges yeah in regards to cultural stereotypes 
cultural stereotypes. So yeah, feminism for me is about just breaking those barriers and just making women aware of who they are and also how they can balance and um, um, some of the cultural attributes they need to preserve and some of the cultural attributes that they have to let go of, you know? So in terms of being also vocal, you know, some women are not supposed to be vocal in expressing themselves. Um, yeah, for, for example, like if you're married, you're not supposed to be vocal um, about what you want in a marriage or like where do you see your vision um, when you're enrolled in that institution of marriage, you know? And we also have um, women who feel like they do not have the right to be vocal in, you know, the career spaces, you know, or, you know, in any industry that a woman is involved in. So you, you find that, you know, they cannot be vocal because they still have that stereotypic mindset um, of, oh, as a woman, I'm not supposed to be vocal. So feminism is about, you know, making women to identify themselves and also know exactly what to take and also know exactly what to put out and also understanding yourself as a woman. There's a lot of stages, you know, in a woman's world. So this um, organizations and movements of feminism, of, yeah, f feminism movements is, yeah, for us to, to just make awareness. <laughs> yeah, make awareness and make uh, women to, yeah, to, I, to, to know their identity, basically. Yeah, to just know who they are, you know, as women and also what challenges lie, you know, ahead of them. Yeah. Okay. Well, so I think okay. that's feminism mm -hmm. for me. Yeah. In my well, perspective. All right. Well, mm -hmm. for me, um, mm. can I talk? Mm. My take uh, on feminism is, I mean, feminism was implemented by, you know, Western countries to mm. destroy families. To destroy? To destroy families. Yeah. That's my take about feminism. Okay. It was a system which was implemented by Western societies to destroy families. So guess what they say, okay? Mm. They literally say, as a woman, you don't need a man. Mm. You can work your ass, you can, you know, you can pay your own bills. You just don't need a man. So that's what feminism are saying. Mm. And that's what feminists are believing in. Like as a woman, you don't you, you don't need a man. You can just do everything by your own, mm. right? And guess what happens? You can do all this stuff like from your young age until you get 30 in your 30s, your 40s, until you get old. And then you start realizing, wait a minute, I've been brainwashed. Like all the things they are telling me was just, you know, mm. just rubbish. Mm. Because as a woman, of course, you need a man. Mm. You can't procreate without a man, right? Mm. Even though like they're talking about this in vitro for type mm. things. But okay, that's scientists. Mm. Uh, how to say uh, uh, areas I'm not a scientist mm. but what they are saying is as a woman you can do everything without a man you don't need a man now if there is a war let's say there is a war you know around the world what mm. will happen the men go and fight the men go and fight why they don't send women and fight for them yeah, so like that's my take in feminism they just it's just a system which was implemented by the western societies just to destroy families so as long as you as a woman you don't go to a man you don't get married to a man or maybe you just do your own things your your own stuff obviously you're not gonna get married you're not gonna have kids 
that's why all the things they are doing, you know, it's just to destroy the families and then they promote this uh, 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 transgender LGBT, LGB mm. or what's the mm. right? Yeah, you see what happens like a uh, few days ago in United States, California, like mm. this pride parade, mm. things like that. Mm. So they do this. Imagine like they're promoting gay right activists, mm. but they are saying as a woman, you don't need them. It literally means they are destroying families. Mm. As a woman, you don't need this man. Just forget about him. Just do, do your own life. Get your degree. Go get a work. Uh, you know, uh, pay your own bills. And then at the same time, they are promoting gay or, or you know, transgender right activists. They have the right. You have the right to be gay. You have the right to be lesbian. You have the right to be transgender, to change your sex, all the things. And at the same time, they are telling women, no, you do your things. You don't need that one, which means literally they are doing all these things that to destroy families. Okay, so, I get you. Can I say something, please? Yeah, yeah, I give Okay. Um. Actually, I have actually listened out to the two speakers, and they did extremely well. But for me personally, I do not go with what my learned brother has just said: that feminism was created in order to destroy families. No, that is the reason why we have different types of feminism. You have the liberal feminism, you have radical feminism, and you have intersectional feminism. And looking at uh, the concept itself, it was actually created in order to advocate for equality in terms of gender bias operation. You know, all this why men are with the opinion that they are the superiors, right? They are the superiors over everything. And it is not right because what a man can do, a woman can also do it. And also in the area of like um, forming out a family or having a husband and a wife, you are actually taking somebody to be your partner, not your slave, not a boy. You are taking the individual to be your soulmate. So which means as long as the two of you can breathe, you live that equal life. In the area of sharing responsibility, you the man, you actually opted to marry that woman. So you have the right to care for that woman. If there is a way you see that the woman has a potential, you need to empower that woman and see how best the two of you can contribute towards actually achieving a particular goal that you are looking at for. So in the area of uh, women actually being put back, Normally, in terms of like decision making, it is not good. We bring them on board, we share ideas, they have meaningful contributions in society. So they are just trying to say that we should not put them at the back. Those who actually form the feminist movement are actually trying to preach something that let there be the treatment to be just to women, let there be that fair treatment. We should not treat them as backbenchers. For instance, you can now see in the world, Women are becoming great leaders, you know. They are actually what? Contributing greatly towards the development of the world. You go to the hospitals, you see women actually saving lives. The idea of going to war, there are female soldiers. And before even like we have in African settings, we have female warriors who have become warlords. They too can contribute meaningful to society. But in order for us to look low upon them, that is the reason why the feminist movement is saying no we should treat them equally so that is my own take 
Okay. Um, and just to add um, on what Gibson said, I think every concept, it can be misused and also it can also be used in a correct way, you know? For example, like AI, you know, people use, some people use it in a really good way and there are people who actually abuse um, the concept of AI, you know? For example, like, like let's create bombs and then let's just bomb um, the country, um, an another country using uh, artificial intelligence, you know? While other people would say, let's just create a difference using this concept. So I think also with feminism, it's all about um, it being handled in proper hands, you know? So other people would be like, yeah, so we see that, you know, females are not included, you know, in society. So let's make sure that they're included in society. And then, you know, there comes the abuse of the concept of feminism as well, where we, um, you know, women now are turning into victims lately, like, oh, there are so many rape cases. Um, and then you find that um, the, the woman uh, is lying at the end of the day, like there was no rape, but then she's claiming that she was raped, you know? So it can also be misused or abused. So I just wanted to make it clear that every concept can be abused and can can be misused. So it, it all boils down to um, who is handling it, you know, and also how are we handling it, you know? Yeah, so... That's my take. That would be my take. Okay. Uh, mm -hmm. So the next uh, question I have for you, Priscilla, is that um, mm -hmm. currently you're, you're undergoing a project, uh, the school magazine, as um, our school celebrates 120 years. So tell us more about it. Okay. Uh, so before I get to that, um, I would love to also um, add something on women empowerment. So because I've mentioned about feminism, so it, it, it's like um, building awareness of some of the challenges that women are exposed to. So women empowerment, it basically says, okay, now let's take action. You know, um, as a woman, just know that these are your rights and you have to be vocal when you have to. You know, when you feel like you're not uh, incorporated in society, just be vocal, you know. If um, there's any um, abuse that's going on, maybe in marriage, maybe in your uh, work industry, don't be shy to reach out to the nearest police station or to any organizations that might help you. So women empowerment is all about that. And also like just creating, um, creating projects or maybe some organizations to just harness um, and also um, yes, to just harness the 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 woman identity and also um, some of the things that we want women to be involved in. So I like the concept that has been happening also in Canada. Um, for, for example, like a woman is also allowed to thrive. You know, the, the, there's so much diversity, or let me just say equality in um, different industries um, in Canada for both men and also women. So yeah, I just wanted to highlight on that point of woman empowerment. Okay, so yes, um, so for the viewers who are listening, yes, I'm coming from I'm studying at the Central China Normal University, and this year 
um, CCNU is celebrating 120 years since its existence. So I just want to um, see if I have like a little note here to just give like a background on when um, the school was started or when the university was started. Okay, okay, basically, um, yes, we are celebrating 120 years since our existence and we, we have so many programs. So if anyone who's listening wants to be enrolled in our school, just know that our school, it offers a lot of English-based uh, programs. So you are, you are um, yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome to enroll if you want to enroll in this university. And we also have like, yeah, I think our school actually uh, um, takes a lot of international students a lot of international students from different countries. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what I would say. And we are really good um, in terms of educational-based uh, programs in our university. So anyone who wants to come can apply using the website ccnu.edu.cn. Yes, so that's where you can find us and also apply directly to our school. Well, the last question I'll ask will be to the all to all of you, which would be your advice to the African youth. I'll start with Gibson, Priscilla, and end with Manny. Well, like uh, my advice to African youth is to stay focused and work very hard, and also actually like refrain from anything that will actually hinder the progress of either themselves or even their country. Always contributing things that are positive, things that are developmental, you know. Anything that can push them forward are the things they should embark on. They should be thinking rationally and also be what uh, uh, people that can be innovators, you know. That is my advice. Thank you. Uh, Priscilla? Um, what I would just... Um... What I would give as an advice is that don't look at, just go go to the ground, you know, like just get your hands dirty, you know, and don't expect everything to come to you. Dig, keep doing research, you know, believe in your dreams and everything is possible in this world. Okay. And Mr. Mani, to wrap it off. Okay. My advice to the African youth in one sentence is that I'd be, you know, to take their their own destiny into their hands, mm -hmm. right? Take actions mm -hmm. and not to wait everything comes to them, right? You have to go through certain things in life and you have to suffer, of course. You have to suffer, you have to work hard in order to achieve something. So they have to understand in life, nothing is easy, you know? And everything, you know, Everything that happens in, in life, it happens for a reason. So they have to work hard. They have to go through pain. But at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's really working. Okay. Uh, thank you, Priscilla Gibson and my boss over here. It's been a nice conversation. <laughs>